Hey everyone, our discussion of Uncanny X-Men number 11 includes content warnings for suicide, character death, and self-harm. If you're sensitive to that, please take care. Thank you. Mikey, um, gave me some interesting information about glitter. Oh. I've read that New York Times piece about the glitter. Okay, good, good. So I was trying to recount to Charlie um, this New York Times piece from last December, which is entitled... What is glitter? A strange journey to the glitter factory. It's so good. It's, it's such a so good piece. much. So like glitter is apparently uh, plastic that's like metalized. And no one knows how it's made because it's like no one knows whole... how it's made. It's like a trade secret. But why? Of two families that are both in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like only one of them would talk to... The reporter to the New York Times. Is this like the New Jersey Glitter Mafia? Yeah. I don't... Well, no, because one of them's like like an immigrant who... Okay, he went to go study polymer like engineering because of the, the graduate. Like, he heard about it in the graduate, and he's like, oh, that seems like a good <laughs> thing to study. It's, this whole <laughs> article is fucking wild. <laughs> He jokes he fell into the plastic business because it was recommended to Dustin Hoffman's character in The Graduate. I really like. The jovial Mr. Shetty told me over the phone that people have no idea of the scientific knowledge required to produce glitter. The Glitter X's glitter making technology is some of the most advanced in the world. The people glitter don't making technology. <laughs> the people don't believe how complicated it is. That he would not allow me to see glitter being made. That he would not allow me to hear glitter being made. That I could not even be in the same wing of the building as the room in which glitter was being made under any circumstance. <laughs> that even Glitter X's clients are not permitted to see their glitter being made. That he would not reveal the identity of Glitter X's clients, which includes some of the largest multinational corporations in the world. Eventually, one did consent to be named. Thank you, Revlon Inc. And that, fine, I was welcome to come down to the Glitter headquarters to learn more about what I could not learn about in person. <laughs> So I just, I'm thinking about the Glitter Mafia and like, <laughs> it seems that way. How fucking great that would be as like an RPG plot. Why didn't somebody make a, why hasn't somebody made like a, a heist movie? Yeah. About yeah. stealing the glitter formula? Yeah. Here, you want to see, um, you want to see the, I'll send you this picture, Charlie, of, of all the different kinds of glitter in the glitter room. Now look at that glitter. So they have like a. A whole room with every for size and formulation. And I'm just going to be straight up. I can't imagine it's that hard to make glitter. Well, no, it is because so. If only two families have figured it out. <laughs> so when they went to the, the glitter factory, like explain some of how glitter is made or like what makes it what gives it its shine. So they put like really thin layers of polymers with different refractive indexes. And so they're like, how many layers is a lot? 233. It all gets very technical, you know, the visible spectrum at all. Each layer is half the wavelength of light. To which the reporter replied, what? <laughs> this is so bizarre. It is so bizarre. This was all very forthright, but it did not explain the air of oppressive secrecy that seems to permeate the glitter industry. Did Glitterx worry that I would describe its equipment so accurately that readers might construct their own machines to manufacture their own <laughs> glitter in bulk quantities? Mr. Shetty said that trade secrets aside, confidentiality is a top-down requirement from clients. 
Companies do not want others in their industry to know what glitters are in their products to prevent competitors from making identical formulations. When I asked if my guide could tell me which industry served as Glitterax's biggest market, her answer was instant. No, I absolutely know that I can't. I was taken aback, but you know what it is? Oh God, yes, she said and laughed, and you would never guess it. Let's just leave it at that. I asked if she could tell me why she couldn't tell me, because they don't want anyone to know that it's glitter. But if I looked at it, I wouldn't know that it was glitter. No, not really. Would I be able to see the glitter? Oh, you'd be able to see something, but it's, yeah, I can't. I asked if she would tell me off the record. She would not. I asked if she would tell me off the record after this piece was published. She would not. I told her I couldn't die without knowing. She guided me to the automotive grade pigments. It is an amazingly good article. I really... I read it um, while having a crisis around Christmas. It was great. It was a great distraction. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay, Um, well, this is truly bizarre. Yeah, and no one... Like, not even the people that make glitter can really describe what glitter is. Um, Can you tell your family that you make glitter for a living? Can they (laughs) know? No, absolutely not. If you have a kid that's dying, you can't tell them. so, So this glitter manufacturer, the guy that owns it, his son runs, like, another part of the business, so it is literally in the family. What the heck? So but like, like, but the employees, like, do you go home? Like, do you go home to your wife every night? Like, what do you do all day? Oh, are, I can't tell you, but I can yeah. tell you that I make glitter. God, do you, like, tell your wife that you work for the phone company? <laughs> like, like, do you go home it, covered in glitter? Can they even know that you work for the glitter people? Yeah, do you go home, like, are people, like, separated from the glitter that might be on them before they leave so no one can suspect they actually make glitter for a living? Well, so the the wild thing is, so it's in this, like, very nondescript business park, and... Glitterex. There's no, like, security around it. They didn't talk about, like, any, like, security getting in, but they couldn't describe the glitter that was in the case in the lobby. But I'm like, like, wouldn't anyone theoretically be able to walk in there and just see the glitter that's in the case in the lobby? Like, it is baffling. Is it? Do they have, like, Men in Black style, like... Uh, mind wipe devices at yeah, this glitter it's the place? glitter. They have a specific kind of glitter that they wave in front of you, and it has the exact <laughs> wavelength that it will make you forget anything that you've seen in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically what you're telling me is that because it's in a nondescript building with no security, we have to go steal the glitter. We have to go real. steal the glitter. Yeah, we have to go steal the glitter. Fuck! No! Okay! <laughs> so... So we were, we've been talking in like our masks group about who the like villains, like what are the villains doing? Because um, we joked about like Mysterio sitting in his boxers on his couch with Cheeto dust all over his hands. And so that's evolved into a whole thing where there's like the shitty like street level villains of Marvel have like this really bad collective. And we've been trying to figure out like what would they try to steal it's the glitter formula. It's the glitter. Try to go into New Jersey and steal the glitter. Yeah, like that's like that's a fiasco game right there, right? It's, like it's very. Oh my god! Yes, yes. That's what we want to. We want to do a fiasco game. Yeah, with the shitty villains and the glitter. Or well, now now it's with the glitter. It's the glitter. Yeah, yeah. It's the glitter. Glitterex on Seven Commerce Drive in uh, New Jersey. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's. How close is the glitter factory to, like, Dan? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. 
Don't do not do not put our our friend up. He'd do it. <laughs> He'd write the glitter people an email. I know he would. I know Dan McMahon, our very good friend, who makes the show Super Sons, which is, um, tries to break down DC, and they just did Wonder Woman. I'll give him a shout out here. Listen to Super One, su- Super Ones, yeah. Su- that, Listen that to that Super too. Sons. That's, and, that's uh, our that's our crossover name, y'all. Super Ones, the Super oh, Ones. You're not wrong. And boom goes the dynamite. That's true. Super One stealing the Glitter X formula. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, we should probably start the show. Yeah, we should start. Yeah, probably, but. Yeah. and welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast all about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And episode 33. See? I told you we were back. Season four, episode two. Mikey, don't start with that. You can't bring the badass energy into the podcast. Wow! (laughs) I think this is two times in a row I've, like said something at the beginning of the show and made you say wow at me so i want to apologize i want to be the first person to apologize well you should apologize to our guests because <laughs> this is a hostile work environment <laughs> yes yes as you can hear we are joined once again by our wonderful friend reed An hi encore reed. performance yes I'm just, it's the Reed residency at the Young Ones. Agreed. I, I like that. I like that. We um, have coffee, I think. No, we don't have any coffee. Or donuts. I'm water. sorry about that. I have water. Okay, yeah. And and apparently we yell at each other when you come into the office and you're like, mm, I, I, think, I think I have to stay here. I'm sorry. <sighs> but. Reed, for those that aren't familiar with you, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Cool. Hi, I'm Reed. I use they, them pronouns. And I normally do Daredevil shit, which means I'm very into sad, grimdark stuff, which is unfortunate. <laughs> um, so I was asked to come back to talk more about grimdark stuff. Fitting, I think. Some of it's grimdark. Other things, still kind of dark. Other things, still also kind of dark. So I guess that's the kind of show we're going to have. Or glitter, which is definitively very bright. <laughs> We don't know how it's made, though, so... Well, I think the glitter story is dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean... No, it's a story of, you know, an immigrant and his family. It's the story of the graduate predicting the future? Of glitter? Yeah. Yeah, okay. We wouldn't have glitter without the graduate. <laughs> it's, you're not wrong. Yeah, it also... The start of glitter is kind of dark because it comes from like World War Two and not being able to put candles out. So maybe maybe glitter is dark and bright. It exists in a duality. Glitter is like comics. Very (laughs) nuanced. Glitter is very nuanced. There are two households, both alike in dignity. (laughs) Oh, my God. Is that? Yeah, I was going to think I was thinking to myself, since there's two glitter families, what if they want to intermarry? Is that not allowed? (laughs) I can't answer that. Okay. Glitterette and glitter o. 
I do not want to disrespect the CEO of GlitterX, Mr. Babu Shetty, who came to the U.S. from Mumbai to get a PhD in polymer engineering, uh, polymer science and engineering, because that is fucking, that's a story. It is. Yeah, but- it is literally a story in the New York Times, but. It is a story in the New York Times, but also, like, perhaps release the glitter data. Yeah, I, I just want to be clear. We're not dunking on this man. We're dunking on the... Can, can that be the episode title? Release the glitter data? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Wiki leaks. Take the shot. <laughs> glitter leaks. Glitter leaks. That's it. I mean, glitter, glitter does get... So, um, I guess we should uh, preface by saying, like, can I say that you, you, the situation with your cat read or... Do you want to like? Oh yeah, please. Um, yeah, I can. I can. That do was this. the genesis um, of this glitter conversation, even before yeah. the article. Um, so I have two cats. Their names are Tommen and Jojen. Um, they both love the tub, but Tommen in particular loves the tub. And I decided to do a little self care and take a bath with a bath bomb, and uh, got out of the bath and went about my day. And um, as I sat down to record, my wife came over and was like, "Hey." Did you take a bath? And was there glitter in the bath bomb? Because your cat is now covered in glitter. So, um, you know, I hope that's fine. I mean, I, <laughs> I hope that's I hope fine. That's fine. <laughs> so it's fine. Excuse me. Sorry, I have to go de-glitter my cat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was ve- that's very true. But lush glitter is good glitter. It so, is. It's made of seaweed. Yeah. And there's no mica. And we know yeah. how that's we know how that glitter's made. So there's or, no or secrets here. Pla- metalized plastic that will take a thousand years to degrade as with I mean Do we know glitter. how lush glitter is made? I bet we could ask someone and they would actually tell us. Yeah. I mean I was a I was a lush employee when they launched the new glitter and they definitely did not tell us how it was made. We were just told it was made out of seaweed. Oh, okay. Well today I learned that you used to work at Lush. Uh, yeah, I worked at Lush twice. All right. More information. I always love to learn more things about, about yes, you, Yes, I'm a former Lush employee, and <laughs> now <laughs> I'm here. And now Reed's here. And Reed's here because we are, to get back on track, um, I digress, I guess. Um, we're here to talk about the thing we do sometimes, which is talk about comics that I want to talk about, because sometimes the week just calls for it. And last week, I believe... it's. It's Mikey and Charlie sleepover, and they get to pick the movie. (laughs) That's true. That's That's, true. I mean, we did describe our Acts of Friendship episode as the best sleepover we never had, so I think it's... Yeah. That that, that, that tracks. But I I do think last week's comics did... They they do deserve some discussion, and I wanted to do that. I also told Mikey we should just have an episode about Shatterstar... And he said, can we talk about other things, too? And I said, I guess. So um, that's what we're well, doing. Because I really want to, I have something I really want to talk about. Yeah. So you're getting like a hodgepodge episode today, but that's fine because it's all good content and reads here and I appreciate them a lot. So. I appreciate you guys a lot. Oh, thanks, oh, thank Reed. You. So um, I'm going to be very long winded about Shatterstar, which wraps up this week. Um, so I think maybe that should be something we talk about last. Oh, is it five issues, not six? It's five. Oh, that's it's a right. Lot to, it's a lot to wrap up in a fifth issue. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's some cliffhangers there. Uh, yeah. Uh, some, I'll, mm, mm, Tim, 
I know, I know you're, I know, I, I know where to find you. Not like creepily, but like you did tell, you did try and tell me your phone number once. So like, no. Are um, you there, Tim? It's me, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I love you. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that last because I have a lot to say. And I hope you guys have some other things to say about it because I don't want to sound like a broken record. But that said, um, one other thing did how do you guys want to do this do you want to you want to start with well think, why doesn't mikey tell us what he wants to talk that's about true. this week yeah mikey why don't you indulge so i recently caught up on warren ellis's the wild storm um which for those who don't so i'm not gonna give like big spoilers or anything like that i want to make a case for why everyone should be reading this book um especially if you are a fan of um certain characters um or like like anything that we do on this show because i think there's a lot of um like shatterstar uh wildstorm comics came out of the early 90s it was um jim lee and warren ellis and a bunch of other folks um like kind of working together to take a different stab on superhero comics um and so i fell into reading it as one often does because i was like where it was like 2009 2008 2009 i'm like where are the other gay characters in comics i've read young avengers i've read all of runaways i need more gay (laughs) and someone on live journal was like have you read um the authority yet and i was like no what's that and i went and downloaded a torrent Again, as you do in 2009. Um, Off of LiveJournal. Yeah. <laughs> well, specific, not specific. I found a torrent well, didn't on get the, the Pirate Bay. <laughs> yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. The Pirate Bay was alive and well, um, you know. R.I.P. in peace. Yeah. Um, not that I advocate torrents or privacy, but this was definitely, um, you know, like, there. Were, I was not allowed to go to the comic book shop still because um, I didn't have a car. Um like my parents were driving me to college at this point. Um, so, you know, like I needed I needed stuff and didn't have a lot of ways to get it. So, you know, you do what you got to do sometimes. But um, so it's kind of like it's it's the bananas, like 90s comics that you kind of expect. Um, every everything is extremely much like it's Jim Lee ass art at the very beginning. Um, but like eventually gives way to like a really um the main couple of the authority is and actually like the only real couple on the team is midnighter and apollo who were two genetically engineered super soldiers um that were made to fight for like this weird corporation slash paramilitary entity known as stormwatch and they escaped and decided to go fight crime in the streets and were like living in warehouses and then joined this team and became really good dads um which is and it, it, aside from like some really un, there was some really unfortunate arcs there was a mark millar in frank quietly uh, arc that is like the actual worst thing in comics uh, please don't read it um yeah, it's like content warnings for like sexual assault and general Mark Millar grossness. There's Nazis and, in it too. And the art is basically 
trigger warning unreality, I imagine. Yeah, it's like, honestly, so I am not a Frank Quietly fan. I'm sorry to those who are, but this is like literally Frank Quietly's worst work, in my opinion. Um, at some points, it's like absolutely indiscernible. Um, so everybody looks and, like a gooey monster. I got you. Yeah, like if you want to see um, sexual assault and bad homophobia and Nazis looking like goo people, I guess read Mark Millar's part of the authority, but otherwise, like, do not read that. Um, and really, like, past a certain point, like, it gets basically when Warren Ellis leaves the book, it's a total disaster. And then eventually he brings it back, um, only to have to end it because Wildstorm went bankrupt. And, um, so they did like the end of the authority and it was basically like him tying up loose ends. So at least, and it's a really tragic, awful story. Um, and that was the end of the Wildstorm universe because they killed it before, um, the company went under and, um, then DC acquired them and then DC rebooted all the characters and put them in the DC continuity. And it's kind of weird because Apollo is like a Superman analog, blah, 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 blah. Flash forward to 2017. Warren Ellis decides to do a complete standalone 24-issue run called The Wildstorm, which is rebooting all of his characters from all of the various Wildstorm brands and even the ones that he was not involved in um, in the modern day. And it is... Honestly, I think it's the best thing Warren Ellis has ever written. Um, it has characters that if you're familiar with the Wildstorm brand are reinterpreted, like he made a lot of characters that were, um, like white male characters, like, um, some of them are women, some of them are minorities. He's made characters queer, um, like villains and heroes both. And, um, like some of those that you wouldn't even expect to be queer, like he made queer, um, in like good ways, because this is his chance to like build up the universe. Um, if you like like Metal Gear Solid or like political intrigue, um, there's like two major corporations that are vying for control of the world and various like it's like Silicon Valley. It's like the war economy. With, yeah, it's the war economy. It's Silicon Valley, but with guns. Like if Apple and Google we're like fate in like facebook we're like facing off and trying to like create so you mean reality yeah it's it's like they're literally <laughs> you know the um what's the like what's the word for like the end game scenarios that that people are spending millions of dollars like trying to figure out how to save the world if aliens like fight us or whatever or, like <laughs> oh jesus like it's literally that it's literally taking that to its logical conclusion and it's relevant in a way that like and it gets that in like a way that very few things are because like it shows like one of the characters that's heavily involved in this organization organization is queer but like it goes to great lengths to show that like because he's queer or because he's not the only character that's queer like he just literally doesn't care like what ha like he's the the literally the white gay dude like at the top of a company that like doesn't care about other people's suffering and like he you know then then you have like the um the people that are like on the ground floor like there's kind of a viewpoint character that um in the first issue she like steals some weapons technology accidentally uh, because she mm. wants to help people instead of monetize it um because that's what you're supposed to do right she's a biomedical engineer like she she 
this there are medical technology or this is medical tech like i want to use it to help people and that's unconscionable um so then she becomes a giant jet plane mecca and flies away <laughs> mm, <laughs> like you do. do like you so do so you're telling me that this is trans metropolitan meets superhero comics yeah it's like because i'm mean, there i'm there yeah. i'm i'm leaving right now i have to read actually leaving comics. to go read the wild storm right now yeah because <laughs> so so warren ellis is like responsible for kind of reinventing superheroes as we know them and like um mm-hmm. kind of bridge the gap from like the 80s and early 90s like weird comics to like define superhero teams and even like I think some of that influence finds its way into like how shield and the Avengers like interact um, because he was the first one to do like this kind of like vast conspiracy and the government's in on it and like aliens and stuff like that. And cause Warren Ellis is really into conspiracies, but in a way I think he does it well, like he's not focused on the wow, crazy, you know, wild and weird stuff. Like some people are, it's like, he's focused on like the human weird. Yeah, and like, what if a conspiracy was actually real, and how does it affect people? Um, and so there's there's been some really good moments. Um, again, like uh, assembly, like seeing for for those who've been fans of anything Wildstorm before, like honestly, like I would read an issue, see the parts fall into place, and like start screaming about like, oh my god, I can't believe he put those things together in that way. Um, there's nods to like my favorite movie of all time, Paprika. Um, Midnighter is now a black man. Um, so he's a queer black man and people are really angry about that. Um, but I think, I think it's, it could be really interesting. We haven't seen much of those characters yet. Um, like I'm, I'm going to spoil that, that they show up because I think it's important. Um, but otherwise I'm not going to tell any specifics, but I think it's it might be worth waiting for the trade now um there's it's issue 19 just came out so there's like five more issues left and things are like wrapping up to to like a really satisfying conclusion like each step along the way like i think issue 19 is the best that's come out yet um and i expect it to keep getting better because all the pieces are kind of falling into place and like uh, he is also good at making like the weird conspiracy like alien space time dimension wild wildness like makes sense and like keeps one thing he keeps doing that is very much a Warren Ellis tendency is characters like reiterating the same speech that they've said before in different instances like the thing the the MacGuffin is the the defense mechanism of the planet to like protect against blah 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 and like people will keep repeating that and that's kind of like a warren ellisism but i think it works here because otherwise you would be like what the fuck was this again and then have to read like (laughs) 10 issues back but i think he does it really well here um and i definitely i definitely think um if that if any of that sounds interesting to you if you like shatterstar or like the 90s comics or like like modern day like intrigue type stuff or like captain america civil war um you know all of these things i think it's really really worth reading whether you wait to pick it up in trade or read what's in trade so far and then catch up on the last few issues um i think it's really worth taking a look into um i personally like i i'm i think these next few issues will be a ride so 
that's that's my my suggestion and my um spiel for why you should read Warren Ellis's The Wild Storm because I honestly do believe um is the best thing he's ever written which is really funny to compare that right. and then compare Castlevania season two, which is like Warren Ellis writing Warren Ellis. Like it doesn't sound like the same voice. Like Castlevania season two sounds like him writing a Warren Ellis that you would have expected to write back in 2000, which is really funny to me. <laughs> That's really weird in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's like him writing his old writing style because this is like very digestible. The people feel like real people. Um, it's, it's very human. And um, there's a lot of really solid like character moments where even like the villains or like the people it's it's people that are like doing things that are evil to get a paycheck or like, you know, they don't do it intentionally to be evil or like they don't see how the greater pieces fall together and they really do believe they're helping the world. And and it's a really interesting breakdown of of different intersections of like who we are as people and why we do the things that we do. And anyway, Read the right. wild storm, please. It's good. Promise. Mikey's like Mikey's going off like he's about to get like um kicked off of Shark Tank or something. And you don't need to be like that. <laughs> I was on like, I was on a Shark Tank type thing once. I uh had to give a pitch to investors. Um that was the whole time. Um but no, like I've been wanting to talk about it on this podcast for months <laughs> and we haven't had a chance to. And now it's like I don't want to give spoilers because all of the developments are so good. Um but we could just put like a duck if you want to talk about spoilers we could just like put a duck like <laughs> honking if you want no no mm, okay All i don't right. i don't want to i don't i don't know i mean i don't know reed are you like okay with spoilers like i don't want to spoil it for i'm you. totally um actually you know what on this case i am not okay with spoilers because i'm literally on things for another world like trying to order <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, comics. and this is one comic where I feel like the way that it builds, I also think it's going to work better as trades, um, at least for the first couple volumes, um, than it does is, like, I would not have wanted to, I, I read it after seeing it on, um, in a flash from the past, um, like a dream with website that used to be a big um live journal community i was just taking a browse through that trying to find a post and someone was like the wilds i'm like what the fuck um and yeah so i think it, it builds on itself really well so well, i good. will not give spoilers well thanks for thanks for letting us know all of that yeah, I um I did give a out, like our conversation to Charlie about like how I felt about this comic before. So it's true. I've pared it down for for podcast length. It was very coherent and very convincing. I am reads right about to order it. Part. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I wanted to like give him a pitch. But um, in other news of weird um, alternate futures or pat you know timelines where things are not as they appear to be um yeah we, uh, we also read. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna zag hard yeah. yeah we are gonna zag hard really <laughs> hard actually the more i think about it um and directly into the age of x-man <laughs> i saw a post the other day i saw the post the other day that said because i haven't been reading comics for a really long time. Can someone actually tell me if there's an entire event centered around X-Man happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> Nate Gray, who hurt you? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, a lot of people. A hurt lot of me, people, Gray. which is the problem. That's that's the whole thing. But as of right now, we have the Age of X Men Alpha book, and then a Marvelous X Men started X Men. Marvel. The book might as well be called Marvelous <laughs> X Men, whatever. Um, and uh, that's how that came out last week, and this week, Next Gen Number One, which is the the kid-centered book, the glob-centered mm-hmm. book. I'm excited um, for glob. Me, t- me too. Glob I'm excited for best glo- boy. I'm excited for glob's chickens, actually. Um, oh my but- god, his three chickens that are named, what was it, Logan, Scott, Scott and, and Hope. someone else. And Hope, yeah. yeah. The white one is Hope, the barred one is Scott, Scott and the Scott. black one is Logan. <laughs> and Logan is fixated on Scott, as that- it should be. Yeah, oh my god, it's such a funny panel. Um, but... Yeah, we've entered, we've, we've, we've come here. We've done this. I'm interested to hear what you guys say, because I think you guys have other opinions on it than I do, because I think, I think what's happening here is extremely tonally dissonant from what's happening in the main Marvel universe right now, but also not at the same time. So I'd be interested to hear what you guys thought about it first before I, I talk about it. So... Mikey, you you have fresh eyes on this, so I'd like to know what you think about it. So, um, here's here's a joke that we 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 won't have to bleep. This is <laughs> this is like so Nate Gray's idea. The whole premise of Age of X Men, if you're not familiar, is that Nate Gray has made a perfect version of the world for mutants specifically, um, where there's no strife, no oppression, and what's the other one? Um, no Sex. dependence. Well, that too, but we'll <laughs> get to that in a second. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Sorry. So my take on this is this is this is extremely like a big scale version of like when a forum or something like that has like I'm just gonna come out and say it, like white liberals that are like we don't have politics here, no political talk here. Nothing is yeah. nothing is political. Let's just not talk about anything political. Um, no homophobia, no transphobia, no racism, any of that. But also no politics. Well, not realizing that everything is political and that those things cannot be separated, and like imposing like niceness and gentility on a space just means that like certain people won't be able to say won't be able to communicate or won't feel comfortable there because like it's that's the experience of being at your family's like Easter dinner party. Oh God. <laughs> yes. When you're like queer. That's yeah, what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. No, as someone that recently had like the first ever family, like Christmas that I've had in like years because normally it's just my family and I, and like they are a known quantity, but we had other people over and it was like, oh my like this is too much like to constantly hold myself in or like not have to say anything and holding my tongue and just having to put up with bullshit but yeah it's like i was i was reading his like um monologue and what there was one thing that he you mean in marvelous x-men no in in alpha Okay. And he has like a beginning monologue. And there was one thing that I said, um, <laughs> told my friends, I'm like, read it out loud. And I was like, this ain't it, chief. Cause it's like, <laughs> it, it, it was like, 
Oh, because mutants are were so used to being denied everything that they didn't think they deserve to realize their dreams. And I'm like, buddy, buddy, that's not how oppression works, and that ain't how you fix it. But and, and I, I was really mad about point. that for a second until I realized that that's Nate saying that, and that's like again extremely like that's the people that are like we can't deal with trans rights right now because they will not be passed but like let's deal with gay yeah. rights and then the trans rights issues will happen later um yeah and so yeah. it's like like so nate gray's solution to um mutant oppression is just to erase everything that like makes us human and makes like keep us singular entities that don't engage in anything political and everything's perfect forever and also like don't have emotions or feelings towards other people because those are bad and like that's that's why it's like don't get mad about that like don't be an angry mutant like that's that's how bad things happen like you don't want to be an angry mutant and well and also like the whole i i only am like extremely on this because i just saved this panel like two weeks ago but this whole Age of X-Men is supposed to be happening because Nate is supposed to be like, in honor of my father, I will do this. When, like, during the schism aftermath, there's, like, a panel of Scott talking to Logan, and he's literally saying, I'm going to make that world happen, Logan, with or without you. I'm going to give our children the future we always wanted, the one we were promised but never got. Like, Scott is clearly aware that they deserve yeah, all the it, things. And, and the thing about it is, is that it is... Like, all of this, like, is directly in response to, like, the things that Nate never had, nor did he understand, nor did anyone give him. And, like, isolation, yes, because he never had it. Like, like the X-Men, like, failed him tremendously. Like, let's just be honest about it. They, like, they never, like, accepted him, like, into, like, the space. He's, like, always been the outsider. He's from a different universe that nobody ever wants to think about because it was terrible. Um, you know, he's been shunned by the X-Men and, like, basically all of us, like, comics fans, <laughs> like, honestly. Um, and it's just, like, like, people grow, like, people are born in tubes here because Nate grew up in a tube. Like, that's how he was created. Like, why would, why would anybody else need these things? He never did, right? It sounds like Nate is the one that thinks that he can't have It's true. Things. No, that's what this is. That's absolutely what this is. Like, yeah. every, every, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I want to be clear, like, my criticism of, like, Nate's philosophy is not a criticism of Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler's writing, um, because I think for this book, it actually works like because they are making it clear that this is a world in which like it, like it's not good for anyone to exist here, really. It, it's just they're trying to tell themselves that. And like, this is a thing that happens in real life that like people create spaces that, that like it's it's not they're not actually for the things that people say they are. And like, it's just protecting like those who are already protected. So I think, I think, um, for, for most of it, like, obviously there's, you know, there's going to be beats that are off here and there, but, um, cause nothing's perfect. But I think for the most part, it worked for me as like, Nate is clearly like this, like any, any, any reasonable person would look at this and be like, 
Yeah, this ain't it, Chief. Like, this ain't <laughs> this it, Chief. This ain't it, Chief. This ain't it. This ain't it. Let's try yeah. again. Shut yeah. it down. Let's shut it down. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think there's a really interesting phenomenon with comics and perhaps comics fandom where, like, we forget that, like, these are ultimately stories and, like, have to be examined as a story and not as, like, this is my manifesto. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, like if Nate like, Gray was a real person, absolutely, like, no. But I think here it's, like, pretty obvious that this is not. This is not an endorsement of Nate Gray. Yeah. Like, this is yeah, like, this yeah. beginning monologue is not Zach and Lonnie saying this is the way it should be. Like, yeah, no. Not but at I all. Think that, but I, I think that, like. It's kind of buck wild to like open the internet vortex and like yeah i'm gonna be honest i didn't look at the what the reactions to this were well well, they got completely overshadowed so yeah they ain't it chief yeah yeah there are people that are just just going off because that's what they do no i want to be i'm just saying like i want to be clear like i purposely didn't I was off Twitter for most of this week anyway, which honestly was... God bless. Yeah. Was, yeah, that was a good call. Good oh, call. Yeah. So it was like, comics discourse? What's that? <laughs> um, but especially for this book, like, I wanted to... I didn't want to, like, engage with the... Like, I wanted to have a bit of remove from it. Yeah, no, so. and I and I think that... um. I think the world building like like hit the ground running really hard. Like yeah. Like this is a place where we know all the rules. Like we know what's going on. Like and that happened in an issue basically. Yeah. Like so the world building's very solid and like it's like kind of like crazy that we got all this information and now we're just like ushered in here and we're like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like for this place and, um, you know, just speaking. And about, I do really want to shout out to who is drawing marvelous right um, now. Oh goodness. That's, that's a good question. Uh, Mikey, can you find that? Marco Fela. I'm sorry. You cut out. It is Marco Fela. Marco Fela is doing a really, really good job of like, establishing the world building through his art mm-hmm. like i like explicitly want to shout out to that especially um there's like one panel in marvelous where it shows like the x-men and like where they live like as nate is sort of talking about how oh yeah important it is to like be alone for their utopia to work yeah and like all of their houses are like fenced off like they live on the same cul-de-sac and you can see that everyone's house is like their house because it looks very much like them, yeah, but as a home. Yeah, and they're like, all walled off and like, like Colossus uh, is are is made of like corrugated metal. Yeah, and like Nature Girls and Storms are made out of organic material and yeah. No, that that panel that like panel and the subsequent like page like showing that was like very very good and like also. Um, I'm going to shout out the moment in Marvelous where Laura says, I think I, you know, I think I had a sister (gasps) and Nate says you did like he just straight up tells her everything and then just wipes it from her mind. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, and she's, yeah. she snicks, she's, she wants, she's gonna snick to him, basically. Yeah. And then he, like, controls her. So, um, and because we forgot to say it, so, uh, Age of X-Men Alpha was, they, these are both Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler. Um, the artist yes. for Age of X-Men Alpha is Raymond Rosanas, who also does a bang-up job. Oh, that, whoa, that yeah. was beautiful. Um, yeah. and then Marvelous X-Men, as we said, is, is Marco Fela. Um, yeah. Like that, I do have questions about how, like, why are Laura and Jean given like a wipe, versus Gabby and Bishop are taken to prison? Yeah, I'm also wondering that, and I think we'll figure that out. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like I, yeah. Because yeah. um, um, it said it said that Bishop that was that was his third, um, like oh, was it his third strike? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it was his third strike. Uh. They call the laws. Some, so he and Jean like get together, basically. Um, also, Glob's like dead eyed uh, really quick. Glob's dead eyed stare into the camera is so good. And also so yeah. like so Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, both like um, really into horror movies like Zach, I think, did movie stuff before. Like he went to film school um, before becoming comic writers. And that was like very like Junji Ito, like horror to me. I could hear like the score. Yeah. In that sequence. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. And um Yeah, so that moment and then um the moment of the the new mutant, um not one of the new mutants, but um <laughs> Moneta, the yeah. the character that is going to be in the extremists or extremists yeah. depending on how you say how you say that. Her hands turn into like tentacles that interface with someone's brain, and I like literally screamed. I'm like, "Oh, I hate it!" Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's also extremely like Junji Ito um, in shades of like Zach and Lonnie's recently wrapped "Come Into Me" um, that was published, I think, by Black Mask. They're yeah. really like it's interesting to see them take this on because like like horror is their jam. Um, and like weird oppressive um, stuff is their jam and like the shades of that that slowly come out here I think are really interesting but also like at the same time you know going in that that this is going to be a place where where bad stuff is going to happen yeah. but yeah um, like when Bobby so the extremists like break in after Gene and Bishop basically have sex um, that Bobby says, this is your third breach of the guiding principles. So, um... Yeah, so it could have been like, either one. It could have been more than just this. Yeah. So it yeah, could have been, yeah. like, that's, that's engaging in other things, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 that's that's totally fine. I just, like, wasn't sure. No, no, and I think I think that's really valid, though, Reed. I think, like, why does Bishop get thrown away and, you know, Gene doesn't? Well, and I'm, I think, like, ultimately, part of it is, is like, I don't, like, Yes, it's, like, uh, something that, like, flags in my mind as a critic saying, like, well, why is, like, the black character taken away and the white woman, like, allowed to stay? But then I think about the fact that Vita Alaya is the first, um, I'm pretty sure Vita Alaya is the first black person to be able to write Bishop. Yes. Ever. And, yes. like, that's huge. And so, like, ultimately... I don't really care because I think that that's a bigger milestone than like him being in Marvelous X-Men. Agreed. I agree. 
I, I agree 100% with that. Yeah. And and uh, story-wise as well. Um, I mean, Gina is I, Nate's mother, well, basically. Like, just thinking as, like, what's interesting stories to tell. Like, so the whole premise of this, too, is that part of this is that Bishop, like, leaped into a weird timeline or whatever, where... Like, yeah, he, he went to the wrong one. Yeah, yeah. and he's known the original five X-Men. Um, and I think having his own book, that's especially one that's written by Vita, like, I think that lets that whole plot line play out a little bit better. Like, we'd get more time for that than if he was just part of Marvelous, I think. Yeah, yeah. So. I no, big I'm, agree. I'm very much looking forward to Prisoner X. Yeah. I'm looking forward to all the books, like, like, but... That one especially, like, and extremists because, because. Yeah. Um, also, I gotta say, um, love. So, Nature Girl was one of my favorites from, um, you know, ever since she was introduced. And I, you know, Christina Strain used her in um, Generation X, and then she's really given like front and center here, and I'm I'm glad to see it. And so, like, eventually they get some propaganda from Apocalypse, and they pull it out, and she has a moment where she says, those lips. And she, like, has a moment of recognition, which I think, because she and she was part of Evan Sabiner's yeah. class. Oh my god, you're right! I didn't even think <gasps> about that. Yeah. yeah. So, like, she's oh. remembering, like, it triggers a memory in her mind. Um, so he's gonna be in, of course, uh, Apocalypse and the Extracts. So I'm really interested to see how that's gonna play out, because... Oh you're really right, god. Mikey. Wow. I missed that. I had to reread oh it a couple times to figure god. out what was going on there, but Three then I... in a moment. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> well, I forgot that Evan was going to be in this yeah. event at all. Well, and even if he wasn't, like she recognizes she him. She would know, yeah, because yeah. he's a clone of Apocalypse. Like, yeah, yeah. But like, she doesn't know why she knows that because her memory's been wiped. Because all of them think that they are also from Pods. Because that's what Nate has told them. Yeah. Except for, yeah. like, I think Jean knows that she isn't a pod person because she's one of the original five, but everyone else thinks they grew up in pods. Yeah. Because, like, I'm Nature Girl th thinks she grows up really, in pods. really, really interested on, like, and I don't think that we're going to see him anywhere in this event, but, like, the fuck is, like, what did Nate do to Warren? Oh, yeah. 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 Because, like, there could be a really interesting story there about, like, archangel like bursting through that programming maybe we might see it in next yeah. gen yeah we might yeah yeah because yeah. like if those kids get that, that unruly tracks. what else is gonna happen well and that tracks yeah. for for warren too because like you know he's been through god like how many different bits of conditioning and torture at this point like oh poor boy yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't really normally care too much about Warren, but, like, no, then no when I think does. about how much, like, brain trauma he's been through, I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck. I care a lot yeah. about Warren, actually. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. also, it's so interesting to me, um, another interesting thing, and I'm glad, like, I'm so glad Nature Girl is a part of this, because I think she's also gonna be, like, the... Excuse, this is not meant as a pun, but excuse it anyway. The X Factor that... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that 
in my mind. It's okay. With no Nate replaced Monet with himself, so it's fine. God. Uh, okay, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, like, so there's this big forest fire in Marvelous that they go to fight, and they're like, "Oh, we can just go ahead. Like, we don't need to worry about the forest. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to save it, but we need to save like the mutants." And then Nature Girl's like, "No, absolutely not. Like, we need to save it as so much as we can save because this is important." And like. She's still, like, interested in the collective. Like, nature helps itself out. Like, Colossus is like, I didn't know there was so much in nature. And she's like, yeah, I think about it all the time. He's like, I never think about it. And she's like, I I'm constantly thinking about it. So, like, she has, a, like, a because of her powers of being able to speak to animals and to plants and stuff, like, she has a symbiotic relationship with nature. Um... And so she can like never Storm really be separated from that. Right, right. Like, she's always in touch with other people's emotion, like, or not other people, like, the emotions of nature and the plants and animals and, like, their pain and their fear. And so, like, it's going to be, like, already I'm starting to see, like, I think she might be the most interesting one in a lot of c cases because, like, everybody's like no like we need to save mutant kind and the individual and she's like i brought this bear back and his name is fungus, fungus and he lives yeah. with us forever now <laughs> yeah so no you're right well like, and also like what's interesting about her too is that she so like obviously she has this primal connection and like yes but she's also the only one that like like she brought up sex and romance and didn't get wiped and even just like the fact that gene is playing like a board game with her in a world where everyone is so isolated is really interesting like just the way that everyone else interacts with her is like with so much care and tenderness yeah i, th I think the other like, thing is like they don't like I don't, I think Nate thinks she is not. A lot weaker than. Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, because she doesn't have an offensive power, like that she yeah. is not, like she can't fight him or whatever. And like, cause that's how, and that's also how she's been treated in comics. And I like that. Um, Sounds like Nate needed to read Generation yeah. X by Christina Strange. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Christina actually lampshade that, lamp lampshaded that at one point. Cause I think it was like Trevor. It's the raccoon issue. Yeah. Tre well, Trevor yeah. says like, oh, you don't talk much, do you? Like, I wonder if you can even talk or something like that. And she like just dead looks him in the face and is like, never assume that an Asian girl can't talk. Or um, I think someone else says that, but she like attacks him or something or like makes yeah. him fear her and and yeah so like everyone thinks that she's just this quiet girl that you know has this nature and blah 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 and doesn't take her seriously and i think that is going to ultimately be part of the the jenga blocks that fall apart i'm gonna talk i'm gonna say that i'm gonna and i'm going to physically enter the gauge of x-man and punch nate gray when i figure out what he's done to julio <laughs> You will Shatterstar style teleport in. And, yeah, uh, ex exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, like, the next issue of Marvelous is the one where they will see uh, Genesis, who is Evan, and Kitty Pride and, and Apocalypse. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. really excited for that. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
<laughs> um, yeah, we'll see what happens in a sex and apocalypse is sex cult, I guess. Um, yeah. God, I really hope that it's just like a cult of swingers because it's like got that like yeah. 60s theme. That's what. Listen. Tim didn't say that's what he said. Um, someone's like, tell me, can you tell me that this isn't a or- book about an orgy? And Tim says, I don't think I can tell you that. Like, I don't think I cannot tell you that that's not what's happening. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, but I, I think Kitty be lesbian. I was going to say, is it the yeah. Age of X-Men the only actual reality where Kitty Pride can be a lesbian? <laughs> um, my God, I hope so. But or, I hope That'd that she like, gets to have affection towards another woman actually ever and that would life. be amazing i'm gonna and laugh my ass off if that's the if that if this is the only universe where there's no sex that's happening i will yeah. laugh until but, i'm dead yeah overall like i went in not really i know you were like you'll like this but i wasn't really sure how i would feel about it um like obviously i've liked a lot of other of zach and lonnie's work a lot but i wasn't sure if it would earn the story beats and i know there was some criticism of like them using like uh ursula k Le Guin quote at the end but honestly i think it mostly earns it i think it earns like the story beats that it's going through and i think it's 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 gonna be interesting to unpack nate's worldview also I think as one that's ultimately faulty and yeah. and like a utopia is inherently a false place because um like you I went to a really great talk actually on utopias at the Smithsonian Museum um and the artist I can't remember her name but she's done a lot of she does a lot of interesting work with utopias and afrofuturism and like um like assumed selves or like uh what do we think like what do we think of when we conceive of the self um and like worlds that are different than ours um but she said like a utopia is never like a utopia is by like an actual utopia is a fake place it's not static because like once you get there you learn you look back and then you see where you can move forward and nate is inherently not only is his worldview faulty just on the flat of it but he is very not interested in it the book states this he's not interested in looking back at the past he's trying to forget it and he's not interested in examining what isn't working because according to him like everything is working as intended um so like that is inherently a utopia that's going to fail not because of all of this other nonsense but because it's not saying okay we got here what do we need to do to move forward it's assuming that they do talk about like evolution like he sees evolution as being the next step forward when like Nah, dog, you need to, like, talk about what's going on with your people and, yeah. and like, the people that are, um, you know, in your vicinity and how they're doing and also not maybe not mind-wiping them all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just have a think about that one. But... <laughs> Maybe just have maybe just have a uh, sit down and and have a have a think about that. Or, or yeah. a hover, a uh, hover, if you will. Like if that's your jam, feel free to hover in space and think about it. You know. Yeah. Fair. Maybe read Fair. something. <laughs> like maybe a book, un book, please. <laughs> one book, yes. You know, one book on like critical theory and uh, can Nate pray read? Can can Nate read? Like oh god, oh my god, whatever. What can Nate can't? read? What if he can't? My name is Nate Gray. I'm 33 years old and I can't read. 
think that might be the title of the podcast. Is Can Nate Gray read? Uh, 2019. Please, uh, a please release the glitter daedle. B let <laughs> N- Nate Gray read a book for once in his goddamn life. I think that would help out a lot. Both those things. He would be would, a lot less lonely too. Yeah, I think yeah. if he had both the glitter data, the glitter data, and could read a book, done. <laughs> it's all the glitter data. Actually, you know, I think he is floating. He's shown to be floating upside down with a book at one point, but that does I don't not. Think he's is reading he it. trying to yeah, read? I mean, <laughs> the book is upside down. <laughs> maybe no. Maybe yeah. Maybe this is how I read it. <laughs> yeah. All uh, right. All right. Oh no, sorry. It was it was Jean with books, so it wasn't it wasn't Nate after oh, all. So Nate can't read. <laughs> so we're still at Nate can't read. Read. <laughs> Good. Yes. Oh, damn it. On the opposite side of wherever this Age of X Men Utopia takes place is a very sad place. <laughs> I mean, the Utopia is a very sad place, but for extremely different reasons. Different reasons. So, well, so like one is like. Sadness wall. What's that tweet that's like, I've got one foot in a Hello Kitty roller skate and the other in darkness? I've never seen that before, but... Oh, I'm gonna find it for you. Oh my god. This is is actually... You know what? This describes this perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta gotta get it now for you. But um, yeah, in Uncanny... Uncanny X-Men 11... Brought to you by bad. Yeah, brought to you by. I did not read this. Matthew Rosenberg. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, Mikey. Well, I thought we were just gonna do uh, Age of X Men and Marvelous X Men. We got to talk about Uncanny Eleven. I will Uh, let you. I will remain as ever distant from this discourse. (laughs) (laughs) As as maybe you should. Um, Yes. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um, (laughs) Scott Summers has come to see you again. It's very true. Oh no! I'm sorry. That's true. That's true, Reed. Except um, it can't be the sound of silence because uh, our good, good, good friend Chris got uh, Matt Rosenberg to confirm on Twitter that Cyclops sounds like a refrigerator. He sounds like what? Oh, a, a refrigerator. Oh yeah, because he's always like low key, um, like yeah, humming blasting. He's always blasting. Blasted, yeah. I mean that is canon. His eyes That's don't true. stop. The ruby quartz just blocks their beams. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> the sound of silence is the low hum of a bad fridge. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. But Uncanny X-Men 11, brought to you by Matthew Rosenberg. Refrigerator and ASMR, by, brought to you by uh, Scott Summers. Uh, yes, <laughs> Sorry. And Sorry. With a, with a portion at least drawn by... That might by, be an episode title. <laughs> I keep trying to say this. Anyway, Matthew Rosenberg wrote this book called Uncanny X-Men number 11. <laughs> The Sound of Silence by Scott Summers. <laughs> oh my god. You know, we laugh so we don't cry around here. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's accurate. But, Reed, as a Scott Summers enthusiast, how'd you feel about this one? Um, and I, should this oof. have been the only Scott Summers story we needed to have him come back? Uh, well, okay. So I, I, mm, I really, really liked Uncanny Eleven. Like I really, I really, 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 really liked it. And I think that they're, Scott wise, I think it is really tonally appropriate. I think it's, this is more the Scott Summers that I know and love than whatever the hell was in the annual. (laughs) 
Yeah, whatever happened um, there. Yeah. I, sure. Sure, that annual happened. Yeah, um, sure did. But this is... Um, it did some bad things. Yes. But it also did some things that I think are okay. Um, maybe we should put a little warning at this point in the episode. We are going to be talking about self-harm and suicide. and um, yeah. Also that. getting deep into spoilers on this one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that sort of not-so-great discussion. Um... I again like I I talked about this the last episode I was on too like I gravitate towards grim dark stories but not like gratuitously grim dark like just stuff yeah. I I like stories that are about people in crisis and like people that cope and survive in like messy and unfortunate and like not appropriate ways mm-hmm. um and I think that this book is a perfect sort of example of one of those people, two of those people, maybe if you want to count like Logan. Yeah, I would. Um, I would. But it also deals with in part the death of um, blindfold who commits suicide at the middle and end of the issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, And I, I don't necessarily see a a problem with like her killing herself. Like I don't see that that's like necessarily problematic. I think that the way that it was handled in the issue by the art is um a problem because we I think any um, survivor would tell you that, like, seeing that, seeing her dead body is, like, not good. Yeah. But, um. That's, like, one of the recommendations that the National Suicide Hotline makes to. Yeah, I was just going to say, after the two years of 13 Reasons Why fiascos. Yes. um, Like, that conversation has been super present. And, like, it's deeply frustrating to know that, like still no one is like it's not hitting home yeah Yeah. there are resources for for these things actually yeah there are people that you can even pay to um prevent you from having this kind of problem with your readership but god forbid you hired one of those people marvel um and i think so the issue that i'm skirting around here being that this was obviously a big to-do online after the issue dropped on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And um, Matt Rosenberg wrote, like, a a really thoughtful thread about, like, sort of that he wrote this story as someone who has had experience with suicide and self-harm, and, like, this was the story that he wanted to tell, like, as a survivor and as as someone who has been close to people who have been in crisis as well. And I think that that essay should have appeared in the front matter of the issue. I agree. Like, I think that that would have made it 
so much better. Or like um, a content warning, maybe? And then yeah. like that, like... At the very least, like, there should have just been like, hey, trigger warning. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, I I agree. Um, Matt's like always the- been extremely responsible about his, the content that he writes. Um, it, You know, in reaction to, and maybe that's not the best time to be responsible, is only in reaction to somebody saying something. Um, well, but the thing is, is that I don't, Matt's thread came out like... First when thing ish- Wednesday morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, and honestly, I think it's already a very long issue. Like an additional page or something on the front page saying what? Like, it doesn't spoil it. You can just say, like, we're gonna get into Well, especially because so I have the physical issue in front of me because I went out and bought it like later this week. Mm-hmm. And there's the ads are in like fold out pages. So really you could have they had the space, like yeah yeah and that's that's something that honestly i put on editorial more than i do on the creative team yeah Um, well and i i put it on editorial and i also put it on like corporate after editorial which like i think that is something that tends to be forgotten a lot when we talk about um in particular x books because it's so easy to just be like the x office did this but like the x office is not where the buck stops yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I it's hard to because like the well there's a different version of like um the the comic is three comics. There's the Scott one, the Logan one, and then the the blindfold one. And there's a really, really beautiful page, like, at towards the end of the blindfold one that, like, has, there's nothing graphic in it. It's just her, like, talking to both Scott and Logan. And it's just one of those, like, two-page spreads that makes you, like, sort of sit and stare and, like, you have to examine each panel, but then you also have to see it all as one. And it's like, I wish that I could just be like, this is a great page. But then I think about the fact that, like, whatever, five pages before, we have what is essentially a woman in a refrigerator all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the matter of the fact that um, Blindfold isn't the only female character to die in the issue. Yeah. And, um... Loa also dies and she gets a really like very brief like sort of it was not even sort of it's just completely unnecessary because she's not present in the issue at all other than to be like this sad thing that happened to blindfold yeah and it's even more upsetting because Loa is uh a woman of color and like one of the very few female characters of cover and in particularly an indigenous person and so it's like why is this why is this here um but yeah i I don't know it's it's a good issue that has a lot of problems that i think could have been cleaned up at any point during the process of creating the issue and that's why it's so frustrating when it goes wrong 
Yeah, and and I think the you know I think the blowback always ends up on the wrong people always. Like not always, but like when it's a bunch of people that already don't know how the process works, it's it's yeah, frustrating I, when the process fails. You know what I mean? When yeah, it's like yeah. not the way it should work. And and we've said it before, like comic Marvel and comics in general actually makes this very difficult because they purposely almost obfuscate like who is in charge and kind of like the creative team especially the writer is often held to account for everything that happens in an issue and often doesn't get support in terms of like somebody standing up for them or or saying like hey, this was actually my bad. Like, you don't... Oh, oh, very rarely do you get that. And, you know, at that point, it's like, oh, that was, that was a stand-up moment. But that's, like, definitely not the norm. And I think that... Like, not even just for this book, but I think in general, like... It, it, well, I think something. there's also the issue of, like, um, comics... I'm gonna say comics Twitter. Um... Because I I do think that there's a distinction between, like, and I say this as someone that does not write for, like, a media outlet and does just make Twitter threads. There's a distinct difference between, like, people who are writing for publications about comics versus, like, you're adding a creator on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, like, it's so... I think there's a lot of not seeing the forest and just looking at the trees because mm-hmm. it's like one thing if you know you're reading a Mark Millar comic and like you know that there's this large scale problem of racism and xenophobia within those comics because that's every that in, that's the vile undertone of every single Mark Millar book versus like here's a book by Matt Rosenberg that has a couple small issues, not small and like they don't matter, but small as in like as a facet of a greater whole. Yeah. And so like it's it's a flawed story. It's like uh it's a flawed yeah. story that's trying to tell something that matters. It's uh like we talked, I think the last time you were here a lot about flawed representation, but this is like a flawed portrayal of prompt of trauma that's coming from a sincere place yeah Um, and like i think part of that too is that we have to allow um trauma survivors or people who have struggled with mental illness to be flawed and like i don't think that we have a lot of space to do that no we don't yeah. Not even, like, just on the sense of, like, the writers, but we also don't have space even for the characters that we all supposedly love to, like... Let them do... Yeah. yeah. I, no, I I, I yeah. agree 100%. Yeah, I do think, though, like, I don't... Again, it's hard to tell whose decision it was to have Blindfold shown and... Honestly, like this, I'm just going to be clear. Like this panel just sucks. Like everything about yeah, this panel me, sucks. Let me pull up the specific artist because it's not drawn by um, LaRocca. Yeah. I don't but, think. 
but I don't even like I don't it doesn't matter like it could I whoever it's hard to tell like whether it was the artist whether it was Matt whether it was it whoever the like if if someone thought that this was something that was hugely important to the story to be told this way I think that's still okay to say like this is this is not okay and this sucks like I get what you're trying to do but it did you shouldn't have done it like this because like I think it's okay to say like I get that this might have come from a place of being a survivor and you know someone that has experienced trauma but like this is still harmful to other folks that might experience the same thing like everybody like everybody's different and um has different triggers right and it's pretty well known that showing the body of someone that has committed suicide is a trigger for like a vast number of people yeah Um, and so like i think that is also something that you need to keep in mind and and why having consulting and editing on stuff like like if knowing going in that you're doing this like is so important because i think honestly honestly i think this would have resonated more if it had just been a panel of scott walking into the bathroom saying what he said and we didn't know why until like maybe the very end yeah yeah i mean i could i can totally see it as like it's not even that you see Scott's face. It's literally that you just see, like, in shadow, his back in the doorway of the bathroom. And, like, yeah. that's all you need to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, just for the record, um, her body is in the Wolverine Returns story, I think. And not in... Yeah, it wasn't drawn by LaRocca. Yeah, which is, which is drawn by uh, John McCrea, just to, like... Just, just put that just out there. So it's out there. Um, yeah. To, to, to not to you know deviate too much from from that conversation, but um, in another you know in another space, I I think that um, at the I think at the end of the day, like this is a this is a very impactful issue of comics with problems like that are. Some in some places glaring in other places, it's like why why was this the choice? You know, um, yeah. And it's possible yeah. for me to enjoy this story and think it's very good, and also say why were these decisions made? Yeah, yeah. You we, know, so so all, much we can't talk. Yeah. So much it's not ever that. It's always one or the other. There's no conversation for nuance. There's no time for it anymore for some reason. So. It's either this issue was amazing and the best issue of comics I've ever read, and then anyone who says anything different to these people that say that, they're getting torn down. And on the other side of it, it's this person's the worst person ever because they wrote this book and I hate it. And, you know, there's no room to discuss anything else. Can I, I kind of want to, because I think comics discourse has almost always been toxic. Yeah, I I think it's actually started to get less toxic. It's just before... It was isolated on different forms because even Scans Daily, that was the the um, live live journal community I was part of, like would be like this thing sucks and like this guy can't write at all, can he? And you know stuff like that. But it was that was actually probably one of the least toxic like comics places, but it could still get toxic at points. Or or 
if not toxic, like the discourse would happen in such a way that like, if you were someone that liked it, you would feel like you couldn't say anything because of how yeah. just, just perfect, like low key negative everyone was. Like, I that mean, was, I think, I mean, I that's think that kind part of, of it is, is so. that it's always going to be like that regardless of the medium. Um, I realized, um, so on Thursday, I wrote like a, big long long thread about like the issue and like my critiques of the issue and like also in response to like the discourse about the issue Mm -hmm. but then i realized after writing that that i had this same conversation like a year ago over a a novel with a bunch of like people on like involved in like literary twitter or whatever um, the novel was called A Little Life, and the criti- the criticism of it was basically that, like, oh, this is just about, like, this is gay people tragedy porn and blah blah blah, and, like, I, like, we are gonna continue to have conversations about the media that are inflamed and passionate and, and toxic, um, I think forever because we all put our emotions into this thing and like want it to be one thing but i think the 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 place where we can all i think consume media with a little bit more intention is when we are aware of what is in a piece of media and like all act like and if you know that it's going to upset you just like actively make the choice to not engage with it because ultimately if it's triggering you and you know it's going to trigger you, then that's also a maladaptive coping mechanism. Yeah. And, like, that's not healthy, and that's still gonna, like, harm you in a way. And so I think it's it's more important to me, I think, at this point, to, like, belabor that point than, like, oh, blah, 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 like, this shouldn't have been created. Like, first of all, it's already done. We can't yeah. change it. We can only like go. You can't forward. unring the bell, as my yeah. Say. And so, like, we can obviously push for whatever media it is, like Marvel or a publishing house or whatever, to put in content warnings and to like not show people's dead bodies again. Yeah. But we can also say like, if it's out there that this has triggering info in it and you haven't read it yet and you know that it's gonna upset you like don't yeah Uh, i i want to say one more thing because um like the point i was making about the forums earlier um i don't think i quite got there so um, oh sorry no it's okay like i i do want to bring because it actually like brings full circle with what you said so like I think some of this discourse, like it got siloed, right? So like you, you would have the discourse in certain places and, and like some places were more toxic than others, but now the vast majority of that conversation happens on Twitter. So it's just whenever something big happens, it's just a wall of noise and any Mm -hmm. nuance gets lost because Twitter is not a medium for nuance. Like at Mm -hmm. least on forums and stuff like that, I'm not saying they were better in any way. Um, In fact, sometimes they were way worse, but um, but there wasn't a character limit that therefore right yeah it, the- it allowed at least for conversations to develop and it happened linearly um and also like very rarely were they directed 
directly at the creators um, because that was a level of accessibility that just didn't exist. So now everything's flattened. Everyone is having these conversations largely on Twitter. Um, Matt Rosenberg in particular makes himself very accessible to folks um, generally when an issue comes out um, and and will try to talk to folks and, and understand their reasoning. Um, unlike other writers who tell people that don't like the issue to drown in hobo piss. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to say it. Um, yeah, uh, no, I'm there with but you. I think, I think some of that also creates a dynamic where folks feel like they have to read everything that their faves are in or that connects to a particular thing because they have to be in on the discourse. And there's this idea of um, always having a take um, yeah. That especially gets put on people that write reviews, and don't there's a go- terminology for that that um, Clarkisha Kent coined that I think is incredible, and it's the woke industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like don't a don't go to people and be like, what's your take on this? Like, just if they don't if they if they have one, they're gonna tweet it. If not, not. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like like you said that. Twitter wants us to engage with to read what the discourse is on about or watch it or otherwise like consume it and then tweet that like tweet takes about it because that's what Twitter wants. They drive it. That drives engagement, which drives ad revenue, which drives data metrics that they can sell on us like they want that Twitter doesn't discourage that because that's what their platform is built to do. Don't give in to that. Like, do self-care. Like you said, read. Like, not everyone has to read everything. Like, if you know that, like, the new game that came out just isn't for you or, like, um, I recently watched Riverdale, which I know has, um, season two, had a gay conversion therapy uh, storyline that I, as someone that grew up in a very religious household that struggled with a lot of the same stuff that that character struggles with... I didn't go to conversion therapy, but there were a lot of um, story beats there that really hit home for my experience of my teenagerhood. Like, I don't think my parents meant badly by it, but it's just like compulsory heterosexuality. Right. Um, But I know that was something that a lot of folks had issues with. And it's like if stories about conversion therapy upset you or trigger you, like, don't engage with that. Like, don't you don't have to have a take just because something exists like exists like you're not i promise you you will not be left out if you don't engage in the discourse because like ultimately the discourse as this is constantly ongoing a and b like there's no like lasting beyond getting your tweets put in like a compilation article on like um you know (laughs) whatever that nobody asked you for that nobody asked yeah that nobody asked you for could talk daily dot um like beyond that, like none of that discourse will exist like come next week, right? Like it just yeah. it's the idea that you have to get in and get in there is is often a false idea, like entirely. It's entirely constructed to to drive um engagement and like social media metrics. So if you hate and, capitalism, like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also just like be kind to yourself. Real anti capitalists right? like, just go live in the woods. And yeah. and I think like for the most part, folks that, you know, listen to this show don't have that issue, but like I still feel like it needs to be said because it's something I have to remind myself of too. Sometimes you know, like, it's I'm not okay not to this. engage. 
Yeah. And sometimes you, you got to pick your battles. Well, like, also, I think that that makes a, another important point, um, which is that, like, even if you did read it and didn't, like, have a problem with it, like, you don't have to pick a fight with, like, people who didn't. Uh-huh. Um, like, because if you're gonna... I have a hard time when people... And I, I'm guilty of this myself, and so really this is a self, self-drag. self The self-drag. Um, <laughs> that, like, <laughs> you know, you read something and you think to yourself, oh, I don't want to, like, be online when this, ha- like, when this comes out. Yeah. And then... Lo and behold, you're online and uh, <laughs> someone says, oh, this sucked. And you're like, fuck you. This didn't suck. Uh, and, fuck you. I'm coming over there. And like, that's not mindful behavior either. And so like, I think. And that's not to say that we can't and shouldn't have like dialogues about like. Why someone thought this sucked and like trying to hear it from their perspective because that's super duper important but like so valuable yeah also just knowing like it's not worth it to argue with someone that knows what they like want to say about this thing they're not gonna change your mind yeah and and sometimes like sometimes that like you gotta I think sometimes in instances like that, especially when it's coming from a marginalized person or someone that's dealt with trauma or something like that, it's worth, like, it's not going to hurt you. Like, people not liking the thing you like is not personally hurting you. Sometimes it's worth it to sit back and and use that as a learning moment. Like, you don't have to agree with something, but talking, like... Everybody or find out the at, reason why it bothers you. Yeah, yeah. Everybody yelling about everything is is not going to help anything. Because like, like there were some people that got into your mentions. Read, I know, and like, uh, assumed. Well, I mean, they, the, well, that's the reverse of that too. Is like you don't yeah. know what experience people are bringing to the table. Yeah, and like just, and particularly with I think conversations around mental illness, it's a lot easier to like. Or trauma a lot easier to for like to assume that so and so like doesn't have that experience because like god forbid someone doesn't want to talk about yeah their trauma online um yeah and like like, i know for some folks it can be really powerful to be like yeah i have ptsd or yeah like i'm a trauma survivor and stuff like that but also you have to respect the people that don't want to talk about that and don't want to make that their identity or or, or can't make it public yeah, or don't, or yeah, or can't make those things known. Like, can't make their status known. Like, can't let you know like who they are. Like, that's yeah, yeah, to remember. Yeah, and like, yeah, because the other end of it is, is that I did have people in my mentions, and like, it was in particular exhausting to me because like, I do talk about those things online, um, and also I have been reporting on, um, women and suicide in comics since at least 2013 um but like that's part of the thing it's like you know i um and you know my wife is also a, a critic and a journalist and like i think because a lot of the the people who get like the most retweets or whatever in this system are actually critics um like what i think a lot of i guess lay people don't realize is like 
to write a criticism of something like that typically involves like researching who the person is and like what they've done and what their work is and like critics tm i guess have like such a wider context in which they're viewing things and so like yeah their views might not line up exactly with what you just reading this one issue cold are gonna say and so it's just it's not worth it to fight with people online yeah yeah no yep (sighs) that's that's uh, if you take that's our that's our takeaway like yeah Try try to understand people, and and I'm not saying like try to understand the people who like are clearly shitty people. This is like if someone like try to understand if someone's coming at something in good faith or not, and if they're coming at it in good faith, then try to understand their perspective before you yell at them and their. Or mentions. if you or, can't, just turn off your phone. Yeah, yeah, or like, just walk away. Don't 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 do a tweet. Like you don't you don't got to do that tweet. Don't do a tweet. Yeah, don't, don't do a tweet. Don't do a tweet. <laughs> Episode that's two. Episode two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's 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 good to know. In other words, Uncanny X Men eleven, uh go do some self care, I yeah. guess. And and yeah. and hopefully like like uh, like I said, utopias it's the same with art. Like art is not a static thing that sits still in like we don't learn from stuff. Like I, I hope I sincerely hope that, you know, Matt and and those involved, like, learn from this and and become better. Well, yeah, I hope the people that I hope learn from this are really like Jordan. Whoever is the editor in chief of Marvel, I don't know which name. Yeah. Uh, Like, I just hope that the editorial staff, like, are the ones that take the message from this because. Yeah, for sure. It's not. Ultimately, the way that the book is like literally laid out and whatever is not on Matt. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I was going to say editorial as well. I didn't mean to say like seem like I was just saying about Matt, but. No, it's fine. I just very much believe in um, the power of like saying people's names. So I'm going to just call out the editorial office right now. Uh, Chris Robinson, Jordan D. White. C.B. Sabluski, that's not how you say his name, but I don't really care. Joe Casada, uh, Dan Buckley, Mr. President, and Alan Fine, executive producer. Uh, fucking put better warnings and things. Do better. Yeah. Do better. Do be better. Yeah. Um, agreed. Agreed. Well, that was... Like, I think I think we can have stuff that's, that's complicated and, and messy and deals with tough stuff, but if you're going to do that and have a mature comic, mature, quote unquote, like a truly mature comic and not like sex and drugs and rock and roll. Um, I think like you owe responsibility to put trigger warnings and stuff. Cause that's part of, you know, like even, even TV is like rear discretion is advised. Like there's, there's nothing going into this. The whole this comic. rating system for TV exists. Like as like I, the concept, the, co- the conversation around trigger warnings is so infuriating because it's like, Okay, but so when you go see movies, they say like extreme violence, right? Like, or, or like comedic comedic violence, or or like, like uh, they tell you, you know, cartoon this. characters in dangerous situations. Situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. you know. One of that's the things that differentiates G from specific. PG thirteen yeah. or G from yeah. PG is whether you know 
characters are in mortal danger or not or like you know and and even then like i know a lot of people that saw wreck it ralph 2 like came out of that movie not realizing that um that like there's some some toxic relationship stuff in there and toxic mm. friendship and we're like super triggered by that um like i think there's a lot of uh well websites. like even i went to this was years ago but like i um personally have a really like tough amount of family trauma and like when i went to go see brave like i oh dear like totally like lost my mind while watching brave in public like it it just it helps knowing yeah Yeah. and that's you know it's unfortunate that i think media companies like we should absolutely 100 percent demand that they do better with this stuff because like across the board it's bad right now um and even even games that do do it like or media that does do it like there's a game uh senua hell's sacrifice that puts like this very blase like there is violence in this game and maybe some other stuff but like doesn't go into it in depth or like they added it after the fact i can't remember what the whole thing was like there are resources for this stuff like commonsensemedia.org and does the dog die and um a couple others where folks have tried to fill that gap but i think we should like we should not be relying on those websites to do the job that media no, corporations that's not, that's are literally not, we get not more their, money to do yeah that's not their responsibility yeah. it's not yeah. the consumer's job to do this for free like disney you can spend the fucking... you can spend some dollars on this one yeah 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 like a hundred dollars yeah. for an hour of someone's time you know like whatever yeah if it's... you guys want if you guys want to know marvel right now is hiring some proofreaders so are they really yeah oh huh part-time <laughs> okay. and full part-time and full-time proofreaders needed well I guess I will let every single copy editor that's been laid off in the news industry know. Yeah. 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 yeah please there's do. been a lot of those recently. I would like you to know that there are several listings for these these proofreaders. So But see, like a proofreader, that's that's good, but a proofreader is a different and discreet job from a sensitivity editor. Yeah. Yes. yes like yes. you should not be asking those folks to pull double duty because they're sensitivity editors um like they're general sensitivity editors for like general categories of stuff but also like i really believe in specific sensitivity editors that can yeah like if you can't even have own voices like then you have to have specific sensitivity readers Mm -hmm. yeah but again we're we're probably like preaching to the choir here on this one um so (laughs) maybe Maybe. You know, but... Are you going to let me talk about my boy? Yeah, I think it's time to talk about the boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. the only boy. We've all got boys. Um, Just, it's a boy party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's another that's another potential title. I talk that's about boy. my boys. Um, boy Midnighter and Apollo, so... That's that's true. Um, I, I didn't, didn't even let, talk about uh, them that too much, because that would be it's spoilers. It's a boy, <laughs> it's a boy party! Quite, exclamation point. Um, but... Yeah, so by the time maybe that someone reads this, well, reads this, by the time someone maybe listens to this podcast. Dear readers. Uh, <laughs> Shadowstar number five will have come out, and 
I can't look into the future, future where Shadow yeah, Star 5 is out. Yeah. Please bear with us. Yeah, please bear with me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know how this is going to end. I do hope that it ends nicely. I'm how do you sure. hope it ends, Charlie? Tell us the picture. I just I just hope it ends. Like I honestly don't care how anything else ends. I just need like Rick and Star to be okay at the end. That's all I need. Like, I know that sounds weird and like selfish and like whatever, but like I need I need that I need that to be repaired. Like I don't think it's extremely broken, but I I, I need like I need Rick to know he means something to Star and I need Star to let him know that. Yeah. Like I, I like I think that was very much a part of the second issue. And I think it's undeniable in this in like in the comic book we're reading. But like if I examine it a little bit further, like they need to 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 talk to each other about that. Do I hope that there's like a giant like Deus Ex Machina and Rick shows up with X Force to save Star? Absolutely. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't know. Um, but all comic book bullshit aside, um this series i know some people just haven't enjoyed it but it's been like a really meaningful exploration for me of of trauma like like a different kind like kind of built up around like like the genre trappings of comic books in general and like the the comic is like trying to do a lot of things and i don't know I don't really know how much it's successful with all the things it's trying to do. But for me, I think it's really important to have a story about a specific kind of, like, toxic relationship versus, like, always needing to be, like, other people for, for like, who your audience is. And, and that, like, kind of just boils down to, like, being, not being yourself around other people because you aren't expected to be like just being somebody someone else wants you to be um which is a really personal message for me and just finally having a story i'm gonna cry probably um oh don't probably, cry i know well cry fi- sometimes you gotta cry <laughs> cry if you need to is what uh, i'll say yeah uh, finally having a story that like actually means something like and like say what you will about like the the see people use the word retcon star story hasn't been retconned because we just didn't know about it before like nobody ever decided they wanted to tell it so we it didn't was, know it was like an aside in like an action superhero comic book from the 90s we still didn't know anything about it well, right, like we, but that's what I mean. Like it, it was like two, it was like two sentences, right? Like, like it was assumed. That, like this is what this is what it was. Like there is no like people have a hard time understanding that Longshot and Shatterstar don't come from the same Mojo world. Like they, it's the same place, but it's f- like a hundred years apart. So like Shatterstar's Mojo world is different than Longshot's. They're not the, like they're like not the same person really like as much as 
that's the thing, right? Um, so people have a hard time digesting that, which means they have a hard time like separating those characters when they're very, very different people. I also um, think it's it's a it, this is like a personal like view, but it's useless to get upset about continuity in comic books. It is because it, it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, it's an it ultimately is. futile. Like we can kind of like talk about it, but like getting truly mad about it is ultimately futile because it it it's a malleable thing and stuff will always be reset to the status quo in some way. Cause that's just how comics is like, yes. And so like, you can't say that like Grimgrave was inserted into star's story because we, he never had one before, like not this. And like, yes, maybe these stories should have been told at an earlier point in time, but they aren't, this is 2018, 2019. And this is the story we're getting now. So that's that. Uh, two, the story never, ever, ever, and I'll ask you guys how you feel about it. The story never paints Grimgrave as anything other than Star's abuser. I mean, like, yeah, to some I think that's fair. Yeah. Like, I think does, that's this, does this comic accurate. actually paint her in her a good light in any way, shape, or form? Well, and if anything, like, if you really want to work to, like, make her come out, like, looking in any way okay it's you can like i think that the quote-unquote nicest way to read it would be to read it as a mutually abusive relationship yeah yeah, or like they're they are both both she and Saturn star and everyone in in the wild ways gladiatorial arena they're all affected and abused by this oppressive system that they exist in and everyone is going to react to that kind of situation differently like they do in real life they they should in comic books like if you're gonna be serious about it and and i think that tim has done his best to handle it seriously and with the gravity that it deserves like not everyone comes out of that being nice and it sometimes you have to like kind of unpack that and and i think like I sincerely think that Grimgrave, it's it's a product of her abuse under this system as much as anyone else's. Like, but well, that yeah. also shouldn't like we shouldn't then forgive her for what she's done. You know, it's like it's, it's the uh, same sort of methodology or not methodology, but like idea that like some people get their autonomy taken away and the they learn that the only way to regain autonomy is to take someone else's and that's not yeah. okay. But like, that's what a lot of people learn. Um, and then other people like, I don't want to say like learn the right thing, but they do learn the right thing. And that's freedom means freedom for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. And just a very, like stark different like uh the 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 story really does explore like and i think this is what we're trying this is what's trying to happen with the like i i don't i i, I know i read the preview i know reed read the preview mikey did you have a chance to look at the preview oh yeah yeah i read the preview yeah i think this ultimately this trip through this alternate future like this alternate timeline is like these are the things that would be different. This is the, like, this is the ultimately worst conclusion if Star had never left. 
Like, if yeah. if there was no separation. Like, if Star turned out to be someone just like Grengrave, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's, how, that's how that goes. And then Star says, I died. I was in hell. Like, that... That line, like, tore me apart inside. Like, like because he's never been allowed to have this kind of, like... I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Aww. Oh, Charlie, well, I just, like, I wish I could hug you. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. He's just never been allowed to have this kind of, like, story. Like, something impactful and not silly. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think... Like, I can definitely get why folks might have wanted to see more Richter in this story. And I think that Richter should be an important part of Shatterstar's story. And I think he is in here. But I think ultimately, like, we know a bit about Rick because... But Shatterstar has never been able to have his own story kind of, like, on his own and exploring, like, the unique trauma of his like situation and like what he went through and why he is the way he is and can i um put on my former healthy relationships instructor hat for a moment and sure. uh, point out that richter has a had i think roughly like 10-ish years in x-men comics that shatterstar hasn't had because he was introduced in x-factor mm-hmm. um but if we want to see Rick and Star have a healthy relationship, then we have to respect that they are each their own individual people. And so a solo series would not be about both of them. It would be about whoever the solo series is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I think, pretty healthy that um, a story that's specifically about Shatterstar's autonomy and um, his relationship with his own autonomy as it pertains to relationships is centered completely on him. No, that's a that's a that's a yeah. No, that's yeah, very and good. I think, <laughs> yeah, and I think Tim said as much when when we yeah, interviewed did. him. Um, like literally that same thing. Like Shatterstar has not like this is Shatterstar's story. This isn't Shatterstar and Richter. And like, you know, gay characters don't uh, like we talked at length. Like gay characters don't often they're they're. A and B, you know, they don't get to have the the solo series and and the moments where we get to see them as separate people that mm-hmm. like straight characters get to. And mm-hmm. that's why I think and and also like I don't know that I want Rick and X Star to come save Shatterstar. I want like this that's why I did it when we played out a similar situation in Masks, but like I want Shatterstar to be like I, I do really want him to be the architect of his own like he needs to fight and defeat his trauma. Yeah. He needs to save himself because like that's yeah. ultimately the that's the thing about being a trauma survivor is that you learn that the only person that can pull you out of the hole is you. And that's yeah, and yeah. that's not a knock on people that you love. It's you have to do that for your own survival and healing. No, you I mean you guys make a really good point. And like I, I like I say that because like that's yeah. the comfort that's the comforting thing, right? That's right. the that's the comfort. Like what really is gonna happen is hopefully Star saves himself and he goes back to Earth and Rick punches him in the jaw and then they and kiss. I want them to have well, and I want them to have a conversation about it, right? I want Rick to say, like, hey, what you did to me wasn't okay. Like, let's talk, right? 
Like I, I yeah. want, even if it's just like a couple panels or like that's what the, they fade out on it or whatever. Like I want, I don't want it to be a kiss and makeup. I want an acknowledgement that like, hey, we need to actually talk to each other. Like we got to where we are by not talking to each other. We need to talk to each other now. Yeah. Like even if that's hard. Because yeah. you need to, like, if anything, Shatterstar has learned that pushing people away is is not what, and, and again, like, that's something that a lot of trauma survivors have to go through. Like, pushing people away will not actually help you, and and you need to rely on yourself to rely on, like, you have to trust in yourself to trust in others. I have a theory. Um, it's not so much a theory as, like, a, an interesting note in that, like, it's in part Shatterstar's story is about recognizing your own humanity. And um there's that line that he has, and I think it's it's probably issue four, but now I like can't remember, um, where he tells uh the Grandmaster to do as gods do and be silent. Mm -hmm. And so like a really nice sort of end note of Shatterstar, like fully like entering into his own humanity would for him to not be silent yeah yeah and for him to talk yeah yeah he like it's you know half of determining like how how you move forward like after like like you be you always needing a role right like always mm -hmm. needing to be important to somebody in a way so for Star, that means, like, taking all these people in, like, and being important to them. So, of course, he is the only one that can save them because, you know, like, that's that's the entire thing. Like, and yes, it's sweet. And yes, it's nice. And Star has a very large heart. And I think we've seen a lot of that in this story. Like, especially the contrast between, like, before and now. Mm -hmm. But... Like the like leaving behind the only person that's ever not like being afraid of what you are because you don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Like and and kind of pushing away the only person that like makes you feel like you can be whoever that is. And like they know you. They have a power over you because they know you and that's scary. Yeah. Like don't let anybody ever have that power over you, but like also yeah. It's but like important. you like you have to like that's part of what makes yeah. us human and i think star needed to learn that like you can't just fill a role for people as like landlord or whatever and like fill that role as a means of filling up your life because you don't want to examine like other stuff like <laughs> i know i have depressive spirals it it ha yeah. like you fill your life with something to give yourself meaning as a way of ignoring everything about yourself that you need to take care of. And like that, you know, that's, that's not the way to heal. And like healing is acknowledging when you're doing that and like finding a healthy balance also. Yeah. And you know, people are, people have sometimes been like, that's super deep reading of the story. And I'm like, if I can read it into the story, then it was there to begin with. So fuck off. <laughs> like, like, don't tell me, don't tell me what's good or bad like this is like very personal like for me in general and if i want to enjoy it because i find meaning in it then that's what i'm doing 
that's that. Um, in any case, I hope issue number five is really good. <laughs> um, I'm hope glad that you guys. Nice. Me too. Uh, uh, like I like I said, that's that's my read. I like I I know you've been enjoying it, Reed. I, like I know, like Mikey's been like oh like reading it kind of along with me. So I'm glad. Like if you guys are also like getting some personal not not personal as like such as I do, but like some some good some good things out of it. Like enjoying the story, as it were. I mean, yeah, I think it's a really emotionally like deft and complex narrative that's being woven, and I really appreciate that because I feel like he's a character that hasn't ever been given that space and like it's just nice to sort of see a character come into their own yeah yeah poor poor tina oh tina i hope tina comes back yeah and like i oh tina like even (laughs) even before um i read the wild storm like i caught up on Again, like uh, Steve Orlando's Apollo and Midnighter and like the end of his Midnighter series. And like in there, there's kind of like a mutual damseling situation. And that's kind of like that's sweet, especially coming from Steve Orlando, like, you know, like writing from the experience of, of being a gay man and like having them be showing that they're equal as a couple by saying like, like, again, that was a situation where. Uh, Midnighter pushed Apollo away and was like, like, I can't deal with like being in a relationship is scary. So I'm just going to push everything away and like fill my life with other things being that being like murder and fighting people um, <laughs> and, and trying to take down the the people that made him that were evil um, in the, the main DC continuity. Um, and, you know, then he ends up getting in over his head and Apollo saves him. And then you know, then Apollo gets kidnapped by hell and like Midnighter has to go on this um this like magical heist to like <laughs> steal him from a hell prison. It's it's it, yeah. and it's that's like really good as an exploration of their relationship, which to be honest, had been in the garbage before that in DC, because the DC Wildstorm merger did like awful things, like <laughs> did character assassinations on both of them basically. And and like it was just bad. It was just real bad. It was the new fifty two. Just blame it, the new fifty two. The new fifty two. It was yeah. just bad. That's all I need to say. Um, but like that. So that had to do the work of establishing their relationship. Um, because like they were always pretty much like people. Like, but it it had in order to do so, it kind of had to break them down to their component parts and build them back up as Midnighter versus a. Uh, um person and then like midnighter and apollo actually focuses more on apollo than it does on midnighter um and i think for that like to show that they are because they're they were created as like this weird gay batman superman analog but i think they're more than that and um like in order to show that they were equal it had to show that they could both save each other and like listen to each other and be functional as a couple but i think for for Shatterstar and Richter, it's a little bit different than that. And and I think that necessitated a different approach. And I think this this approach is 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 good. And and I think I'm excited. Like I don't I know I'm saying a lot of what I hope for the the last issue, but by no means do I want it to be like paint by numbers. Um, you know, I do want it to surprise me. Like I'm interested to see like what the deal 
with the Grandmaster is. Um, I don't want it to just be this paint by numbers. And everything was okay. He has a Shatterstar action figure, and it makes you feel weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the the one Shatterstar action figure that exists. Um, yeah. It's really good, actually. I was going to point that out. I'm so I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah. With the little, like, what is he? He just swings his swords. Like, he pushes back and he swings his swords. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so like, good. it's like, chill out, dude. Just like, leave everybody <laughs> it's, alone. It's re- it's it was really... a Happy Meal prototype toy. I'm really interested. <laughs> I am interested to see why the fuck he even cares about Shatterstar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's going to be like, an interesting reveal. That's like a classic Disney villain move. And I think it works really well for the Grandmaster as like. Oh, like, man, that even like tracks because immediately my brain went to um, Hercules and how Hades has like the little toys. Yes. No, yes! you're right. The yeah, design you're right. of the Grandmaster looks a little bit like Hades. Yeah, well, yeah you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> he and he brings up like the Herculade and, you know, sips it and like throws the cup on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Hercules I mean, is a good ass movie. Yeah, no, that's that that tracks that tracks. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see like why, like, like I think whatever the Grandmaster has to say about why he's interested in Star, I think it'll be Star's prerogative to go in the opposite direction. Yeah, also like, really interesting that like the the thing that they lead with in this preview is that. All of Shatterstar's clones from him and Winsong, like that they just had their DNA and mixed it up in a big stew pot, big DNA <laughs> stew pot like you do anyway, um, that they're like going throughout the wildways and like planting antennas as like instruments of Za. Like that is wild and I'm in love with it. Like that is the kind of weird ass world building that I crave, especially re Shatterstar. That I'm listen the last line like what the last line in that section mm. that's i'm I'm, that's like that's some warren ellis ass like levels (laughs) of wild like in a good way it's a lot i have felt a lot of things and i'm still feeling them now um so yeah no but like that the last line in that part is like the line you wish you could write and you wish you wrote it first so damn damn you tim seeley damn you um no but um i hope i hope okay. this okay dude, one thing i do hope though like i don't even need i don't even need like a kiss or anything i just hope they hug because everyone's got these really cool like reaction hug panels of like their favorite characters <laughs> hugging someone else and like i don't have any of these because they don't hug and i'm just like <laughs> can i just have that like that's all There's i want there's the really weird and badly drawn kiss that gave them a GLAD award. Isn't that a good thing, Charlie? No, we're moving on. Um, the kiss in this, even though it was smaller, was way better. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's a great kiss. It's a great kiss. It's a turn. It's a page turn. Um, yeah. Also, uh, well, we won't get into how Peter David utterly destroyed any meaningfulness of that kiss in like the next issue after he won that glad uh, award but you know <laughs> reed was so excited to get there and then reread oh, no. the next issue yeah 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 me reading X- xfi was an experience yeah sure was yeah i um. uh, so um <laughs> It was an experience for me also because XFI is the thing that literally got Scans Daily shut down. So I will always hold that <laughs> grudge. 
because Peter David got really mad that someone spoiled the baby thing. And then he, like, claimed that he didn't, like, that wasn't it, and, but it basically was. That, that. Yes? He wrote, like, a screed. Peter, 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 let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) I just have some questions. Peter. Why are you ignoring? Peter, don't run away. Peter, come back here. <laughs> and then oh I, I was God. mad because that that whole plot line is just not good. I stopped no, there, it's actually. Bad. I never made it into the hell bit because I was just like, oh, no, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need to live my life in a better way that doesn't involve this book. <laughs> sure do. Uh, you know, what would have been best, and I think um, this is how that probably should, they should have just left the book. Star could have, should have come back. I should have defeated whatever was going on. And then they just should have left together. Like, that place wasn't good for Rick's mental health um, anyway. And no, being in yeah. hell is bad, usually. Oh, ge- actually. Generally. Actually, Plot yes. Plot twist. It's bad. Um, <laughs> but, no, thank you for letting me cry, I guess. Thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks My for tears. sharing oh. your feelings. Yeah, I have a lot of them sometimes. We all had, we all had a lot of feelings. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was a very feelingsy episode. It is. It was. Yep. And glittery. And glittery. And glittery. We don't know the secrets of the glitter, so maybe not. Um, but yeah. That's it. We've <laughs> <laughs> reached the conclusion. That was an episode. That sure was a long episode. Wow. It's an episode. Yeah. Wow. Sure is. Um But yeah. So if you, you know, go read some comic books, maybe the ones we talked about. Or don't, or, if they upset or, you. Yeah, or if not. If you liked this episode and you'd like to listen to other episodes, go to youngones.com, I, where you can find our episode archive. I have a lovely redesign of the website that I did that I'm very proud of. So, or Yay. you can, if you want to talk about our thoughts on the comics that we talked about, feel free to at us on Twitter at Young Ones Cast, but don't don't do the tweets that are angry and stuff. Maybe think about your anger and and why you feel that way before you yell at us. Um, Agreed. And and if you yeah. would still like to proceed, then you may tweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying this is self care, not yeah. as someone that is telling you what to do. Yeah, um, be kind to yourself. Uh, read comics that make you happy. Or good emotional, if you're Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, or or maybe comics that don't make you happy but have meaning to them. Because I think yeah. there is value on reading something that you know is going to be, go to a place, but it's something that you want to engage with. Yeah. Yeah. It's your own personal journey. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, if you find out the glitter data, let us know. Let us know. Yeah. yeah. If anybody has any glitter, da- additional glitter, glitter data. Please and not like the Reddit know. like speculation, like the actual glitter data. The yeah, actual we want the glitter cold, data. Hard glitter facts. I want I want glitterx.zip in my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> Email us at youngonescast.com at, or, at uh, Gmail. Yeah, at Gmail if you have the glitter data and would like to yeah. distribute it to us. Yes. Everybody Seize would like the means to know. of the glitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But in any case. Yes, Mikey gave you the information about the podcast. If you like this episode, you can rate it and review us on iTunes. That would be very nice of you to do. Um, there are star buttons there. You can click them and think about me. Um, 
Give us five. Five. Five Char- out of five. Charlie gave you their actual tears. Yeah, yeah. I cried yeah. for you. So least you can do is give me a damn iTunes review. Um, sorry, I got a little um hostile. Please. <laughs> and, uh, um, don't don't glitter your cat. Yeah, don't glitter your cat. iTunes reviews and ratings and don't glitter your cat. I am Charlie. You can find me at Genetic Ghosts on Twitter, where I've got some things going up this week. Uh, maybe by the time this episode goes up, you can read um some information about Shatterstar that I just threw up all over the podcast, but you can read it. If you can read. I don't know if Nate Gray can, but... <laughs> Nate Gray will never see your posts. He'll never see my posts. Um, I'm maybe. too horny for him anyway. Um, <laughs> in any case, you can find my stuff there and all the other things I do, like write and peddle my wares. <laughs> what about you, Reed? Um, you can find me on Twitter at ARMustDie, where I um, will probably be talking about comic books at some point, um, and also oh. punk rock and trauma. Yeah, and please, uh, if you like to get weekly updates about comics you should buy, uh, Reed and I and Reed's wife, Sam, all have a newsletter we put out. So Yeah, you can find us at It's The Poll. Yeah. It's very simple. Very simple. We'll give you, like, nice little blurbs um, to read about what we are reading and go forth and read those things. Mikey. It's your turn. You, you can find me on... T- I was waiting. My, <laughs> my turn. Um, you can find me on Twitter at quantum dot dot where I tweet about um, comic books, media, video games, tabletop role-playing games, um, tabletop role-playing game designer, and newly uh, a graphic designer as well. Um, you can check out some of my graphic design work. I had my first actual like start-to-finish completed paid graphic design work um my friend my wonderful friend dc hired me to do the cover art for their game plot armor which is part of the sad mech jam um on itch.io so you can check that out at dungeon commander with no e so c-o-m-m-a-n-d-r dot itch.io um or you can check it out on on their twitter i'm very proud of it um dc uh came to me with an idea and DC also completed that game, start conception to release in 11 hours, which is a fucking feat of wizardry as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, also, yeah. like, man, like, also got people and paid them for the, the, you know, assets in it, which is like, wow. So Hell go buy yeah. DC's good, good game um, that I did the, the cover art for. Um, somebody, like, streamed themselves playing it. Um, it's a mecha, sad mecha. Um, journaling game uh, with the protagonist going through a series, a mecha anime series um, with plot armor until they die at the end. Um, So it's, again, like a lot of things we've talked about, meaningful, sad, maybe, but, you know, ultimately saying something about um, humanity. So you can check out. Yeah. If you would like design work, um, you can also reach me on my twitter if you would like to hire me for said design work just just saying just putting that out there 
But yeah, do that. that's me. Hire Mikey to do things for you. And while you're at it, <laughs> uh, while you're at it, uh, Reed puts together some bomb ass graphics and also does some awesome music compiling. <laughs> Yeah, read yeah. read read like put together a like playlist for each of the characters in our map. Frankly game, amazing. And it's, <laughs> Frankly it's amazing. just like it's still blowing me away. What a good job you did, Reed. So <laughs> You gotta do one for Scott, you know that, right? Oh, it's it's been it's a work in progress. Okay. I have okay. to figure out so much about my son. That's <laughs> um, true. That's true. Okay, so so we can't say please don't champions away. <laughs> no, we can't. Um, uh, Zazvid. What? Zazvid. Please Zazvid. release the glitter data. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Please. Please. Wait. Wait. What does Jayona Jameson say about Spider Man? <laughs> please give give me pictures of glitter data now. No. No. Glitter just, pictures of glitter data. Uh no, I really just please just email me like glitterx.zip. <laughs> or, or pictures of glitter. Pictures of glitter also pictures good. Of glitter. Fine. Also also fine. Just glitter us, y'all. <laughs> glitter us, y'all. You heard it you heard it here first. All right. And don't uh, do a fine. tweet. <laughs> Unless it's to send us glitter. Man, we had some zingers this episode. I'm just just It's just... very true. It's very true. But everybody can can go now. Bye, everyone. (laughs) So here's the thing. Now that I'm envisioning this street-level B-side villains glitter heist, I'm definitely picturing Stiltman to look like Nick Cage. (laughs) Ha <laughs>